Hi, it's Marissa. Hi, it's Sarah. And you're listening to Dog Health and Nutrition, the Puppy Gang Podcast, hosted by Puppy Gang Fresh Foods. Hi, Dr. Hyatt. Welcome to back to our podcast. We're really excited to talk to you about this really pertinent topic right now, which is flea and tick prevention. You know, as the weather is getting warmer and we're having our dogs, we're seeing more ticks that are on the rise. So we're really excited to hear your perspective on this issue of flea and tick prevention and also dogs' exposures to pesticides in general. So could you share a little bit about your thoughts on flea and tick medications that are on the market today? Yeah, sure. Hi, guys. Nice to be on your podcast again. Yeah, as you mentioned, uh, flea and ticks, and especially ticks are becoming more and more a problem with the climate changing. And I and many people are forecasting that we'll be ticks will be with us here to stay. And uh, we have to just find more and more ways to basically protect ourselves and our pets against them. I'm myself not a huge fan of using systemic pesticides, because especially the newer generation of systemic pesticides that they are used for ticks, especially they are they are belonging to a class of pest chemical called uh, isoxazoline um, that they are basically neurotoxin. What what they cause? So they the pet ingest them as a oral chew or topical drops. And then what they do, they systemically absorb in different organs and they concentrate a little bit in the skin too. And then when a flea and tick bites the pet, what they cause, they cause a couple of neurological events in the ticks, just kind of an hyper excitation of the nervous system of the tick, some kind of a seizure-like activity that, uh, that causes them to die. And uh, needless to say, that is not as safe because they are absorbing systemically in the pet's bloodstream. It's not safe at all. There are a couple of FDA warning again uh, coming out came out last year or day before, and those are the numbers that FDA knew about it. Those are the reported number that about that they were cases of death, seizure, severe vomiting, diarrhea. And, um, and other clinical signs. They are organ failure. They can cause organ failure, especially kidneys, because kidneys are one of the ways to get rid of those pesticides. And then the other thing is the environmental impact that they are having. When a pet has those neurotoxic neurotoxins in their body, when they're coming in the house, they are exposing the household, the family, the children to those pesticides. And, and then they... they they pee, they poo on the lawn, they lick us, they sleep in the bed. So we get exposed to those pesticides too. And in a broader scheme, the, the whole environment, so they get contaminated. And remember some of those ones, there is one class of pesticide that has a product, it's called imiclopride. You can check it on your pesticide box or a tick box. There's one brand that carries it. They are neonicotinoids that they are banned in Europe and in Canada and uh, we are using it on our pets, so as a flea and tick prevention. And they are banned for a good reason, because they are very harmful for us and for the environment in general. So I know there is, a, it's, it's, it's one of those things we don't, none of us want to have fleas and ticks on ourselves or on our pets. And then at the same time, we want to just make sure we are not using those harsh chemicals for 
our pets. So it's a, it's a it's a fine line to navigate, but it is doable. I mean, I we have a big clientele here. Almost none of them use flea and tick as a uh, flea and tick prevention as a as a mode of protection of their pets. There are few few steps that you can take. Uh, to prevent uh, your flea and t- uh, your pet against flea and tick infestation. Okay. So, so Hyatt, obviously on the market there are the collars, there are the drops, and for many of us that's just what we know to put on our dogs. And I'll admit when I first got my dog, I put some of those drops on the back of his neck and his back legs, start. He couldn't he couldn't walk. It lasted for about a day. So when you're talking about the seizures and it having a different impact and really going into the bloodstream, thankfully there was no long-term effects, but it was very scary when I saw that happen to my own dog. But that's just what you kind of do. You get a dog and you know you've got to put flea and tick on them. So one of the challenging things for dog owners is all that research out there and what we find online and there's so much confusing information so what are some of the solutions that pet owners can still prevent their dogs from getting flea and tick, but do it in a really healthy way? Yeah, a good point. Yeah, there's lots of information out there. Some of them are conflicting or confusing, but the bottom line is we know that using systemic pesticides, especially systemic neurotoxins, is not a good idea and we should limit it. Okay, to ideally I eliminate that or if you cannot, at least limit it, limit it to those very extreme cases. So there are a couple of things that you should do, you can do. And as I said, none of those, remember, none of those measures that we are taking, whether you are using the chemical route or natural route is 100%. Okay, they all have all a little bit of a small failure rate, but then you have to just weight the pros and cons. And if you see that works for you. So you have to be flea and tick prevention. You have to basically layer your protective measures. You have to do few protective measures together to try to reduce your tick exposure. Um, first thing to do, make sure if you change the taste of the blood of the pets by, let's say, vitamin B, or there are some herbs and some, some supplements that you can give your pet that it changes basically the taste of the blood. The flea and tick don't like to suck on that blood that much. Vitamin B is one of them, especially B6, because it has a very distinct taste. But remember, B-complex, if you're giving it, you have to give it as a B-complex, so it has to be the whole family of B that has B, B6 in it. Spirulina, I have found that it help, it's helpful. What you can talc powder? Does that study? work as well? Does, is uh, kelp powder helpful as well? Powder, you know what? I'm not sure. I'm a very good question. Probably it does, but I'm not sure uh, if kelp on is. And remember, Marisa, none of those things works on their own. You have to use few things together, right? Few things together. So, so vitamin B, spirulina, garlic, fleas and ticks do not like the garlic taste. You can do a little bit garlic orally. And there is, again, lots of confusion whether dogs and cats can have. Cats, not so much, but dogs can have garlic. We are, and we are not giving a dose here. They have to check with their vets. But I'm telling you, small amount of garlic for a medium-sized dog 
it's totally safe. They can add it to their food, okay? Normally, the dose that is recommended is about half a clove of garlic per 20 pound of body weight. It's safe for dogs. But please, again, they have to, uh, your listener, if you are going to add something to the food, it's best to check with their vet. And then uh, they can use it orally. They can use it topically, especially, and they are, they can use also essential oils, neem, citronella, lavender, thyme. Those are the things, those very aromatic oils, pine oil. They are, they are products in the market. They are either prepared or clients can prepare them themselves. Dr. Karen Becker has a couple of good recipes online on our Facebook page, how to use those topically, mainly for... Just, just a quick question on essential oils. So if you are and are, we'll, we'll direct um, our listeners to Karen Becker's recipes as well. But I, I just wanted to clarify for our listeners. So when you are using essential oils, you can't use those directly. So you need to have them in some sort of carrier oil or water to dilute them. Is that correct? Absolutely. Uh, do not use essential oil directly on the pad because they're strong. Make sure to use a good quality essential oil. There's tons of essential oil in the market. Not all are the same. Make sure to use a, a pure essential oil. There's a couple of good companies that they carry them. And there are a couple of good companies that they are mixing those products together and they are available on the market. And then, uh, so you can use it topically and as an additive to the food. So that will be about two or three measures. The other thing, there are colors. They are, uh, there's a color in the market that is, it's actually a very neat technology. It's originally from Japan. It's called EM Color. There are a couple of companies that they are carrying them to. They're basically pieces of ceramic that they emit far infrared wavelength. And they are, they are produced by some type of bacteria that they are kind of baked into ceramic pieces. And they emit that uh, infrared, far infrared wavelength. That is, fleas and ticks don't like it. And it's actually beneficial for, uh, because we know that far infrared wavelength has lots of therapeutic effect for, for dogs and people. So, uh, so those are very popular too. So those colors, food additives that we talked about it, and essential oil. Uh, those are the main things that I recommend. And then testing uh, how your clients that they don't use um, flea and tick medications, those uh, neurotoxins. It's a good idea to twice a year, once or twice a year, if you're really worried, do it twice a year, do a blood test and their veterinarian can do it. We do it here. Anytime that I take blood from my patient, I check the for, for heartburn and Lyme disease. It just uh, automatically is on our profile. We always check them. And if you, and Lyme disease, the other thing. So do, do you have any question uh, so far before we sure. go? I've got a question about about Lyme disease, actually. So I had um, I had a bit of a scare last summer in that a Kalinda when you know I often take the dogs for walks in the forest in the summer, and I found a tick on her. So of course, you know, you start googling online and you're you're scared and you're seeing all this different information, as Sarah mentioned. And what I read was that it's really important that you remove the that it take that it takes a tick 24 hours to if it does have Lyme disease to be able to admit that to the dog so as long as you're removing the tick safely before that 24 hour period the 
chance of your dog getting Lyme disease is slim. So I just wanted, was wondering if you could speak on that, whether that's true or not, or is that an immediate thing that the dog can get Lyme disease if they have a tick on them? Yes. You know what? It takes, that's true. It takes about 24 hours to get the Lyme. But you know what? Lots of those flea, at least in my cases, we have here, uh, I would say a handful of my cases that I see per year, they come with Lyme. Uh, when we test them, they come with Lyme. They come Lyme positive. But with Lyme disease, remember, Lyme disease in dogs and Lyme disease in people is totally different things. People, when we get infected by Lyme, people can get really sick from it, okay? But about 90 to 95% of dogs, depending who you ask, when they get infected with Lyme, they don't even show any clinical sign. You don't even know. You don't even know it. The body, the immune system clears it. And that is a natural defense system. If Lyme would have been a big problem for dogs and cats, all the wolves and coyotes and whatnot out there would have been so sick because they are always uh, exposed to ticks and they probably get Lyme for sure too. And But the body clears it up most of the time. Hmm? That's so interesting and so true that, yeah, there'd be animals running around with serious illnesses if it if it was affecting them yes yes and then what we do we measure the when they come positive with Lyme there's another test it's called Lyme quant we just measure the basically the strength and the and the timing you can it gives it can give you an idea that how significant the infection is sort of and then we uh, just with most of the time with some herbs and <clears throat> homeopathic that we have those numbers will come down and the dog even becomes seronegative. So when you do a blood test in a couple of years afterward, it doesn't show even any evidence that they had it. I had number of cases. So uh, the take-home message is for me, I will be far more worried about those pesticides, systemic neurotoxins, rather than Lyme disease for dogs. Because Lyme disease to me, at least in my book for my patients, is very treatable. Okay, there are those odd dogs that they are get systemically sick and and then they are in trouble. But that is that is a rarity. But on the other hand, I see all the time here. Every month, I see about four or five cases dogs that they have seizures, and it seizure happens shortly after using those neurotoxins. And actually, now there are a couple of them, they have even warning packages, warning label on it that it can cause seizure, even if they don't have any history of seizure, because it's a neurotoxin. So of course, it might cause seizure. Well, there seizure was, what uh, you see, sorry? There, there was a case recently in, in the States, I think there were about seven, 1,700 dogs died after using this one brand of and tick collars. Yes, that is a collar. Yeah, that was a collar that... It's making me think about household products and our cleaning products. And are we putting our dogs at risk with some of what we clean our, <laughs> our floors or our bathrooms with? What about the um, toxins in, in those kind of cleaning sprays? Yeah, the, 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 the less chemical you use in the house, the better you are, you and your pets are the better you are. I mean, that is that is for sure known fact. So try to stay with more natural product, and and yeah, that will that will help you and your pet quite a bit. Interesting. Marissa and I have gotten into the habit of every day just checking our dogs after their walks and make sure they've got 
nothing on them and, and that's a good way just for peace of mind as well that's whatever good. remedy you're using to to do a bit of a check and also give your dog a little massage at the same time <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> absolutely always check them try to stay away from those areas that have tall grass because that's where ticks normally hang out if you can avoid those areas and then check them and then if you see them remove them they are ticks can be checked for whether they they carry the bacteria that causes Lyme, that, that can send, be sent to the lab. They can, um, clients can submit that to their veterinary and they can check for that. But the interesting fact is all those, my, my cases that they came up with Lyme, they never, um, my clients, they never saw the tick on the dog. They never, when you ask, they never had the tick. But because some of those tick infections happens with their, uh, while their ticks are very small in their nymph periods, so they, it's hardly to see them. So they can uh, attach to the dog and uh, and transmit the Lyme without even you knowing. Oh wow! So that is that is good to know too. But mm. definitely, I think avoiding the pesticides and clients should talk to their veterinarian. Tell them about their concerns. Tell them that they are really they are looking for a more natural solution. And they are okay if the dog. There's a small chance that they get Lyme. That's okay. They will. They will deal with that. Okay. So I. I, I really believe that in in ten years we will be looking back to those products and we think that we don't know what the hell we were thinking putting those things on dogs and cats as yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is the more because flea and ticks like any creatures they like to live and they keep becoming resistant. So you see those products after a while. You have to use more of it or more frequent or a higher dose because they keep becoming resistant to it, right? Uh, that happened with a couple of sleep indications that are out there, a couple of heartworm medications that are out there. Flea and ticks and heartworms are, are resistant to it. They just don't work. You have to use more. You have to use more frequent. And that is with any living creatures, okay? They don't want to die. Awesome. Well, thank you for those tips. It sounds like there's some really great solutions for people to add some healthy food that would make their blood not taste so appealing and do some um, mixtures that they could also put onto either into the food or onto their dog's fur that are all natural products. And we will put a link for people to um, find that from uh, Dr. Karen Becker that you mentioned. Yes, absolutely. Dr. Tobias, put one with Dr. Tobias. He has he has a couple of good products for fleas and ticks too. They are that clients can 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 look into it. And remember, I as as veterinarian, we are not. I, I cannot endorse any products, but it's just uh, some information that they can read about the ingredients and 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 see if they like to use it. The other thing is. It's really important to keep your dog otherwise healthy. Being on a good food and not not a food that is processed is really important. Okay, when the body is healthy enough, um, a they attract less fleas, especially and tick to, to smaller extent uh, because they are looking for a weak link. They are looking for a for a for a prey for for food that is easy. It doesn't fight them so hard. And b if they even get infected with Lyme, because the body is clean, has less toxicity, is less inflamed, has a good immune system, it can fight it off, fight it off easier. So it's really important with all those things that we talked about it to avoid processed food. Uh, that is the first discussion that I have with my clients here when they come initially. A, 
be away, stay away from processed food and stay away from systemic pesticides. Okay. And then they will, that will on its own sometimes solve about 70% of the problems that pets have. Wow. So yeah, everything does all come together into a healthy way of living. And, and of course. Of course. Yeah. 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 Great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Hyatt. We really appreciate all uh, of your input and thoughts on this topic. I think it'll be very helpful to our listeners to give them some different options to research and consider when using flea and tick for their dogs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank Thank you. you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Dog Health and Nutrition, the Puppy Gang podcast, is hosted by Puppy Gang Fresh Foods. Puppy Gang Fresh Foods is a gently cooked dog food company based out of the GTA in Ontario. If you'd like to try Puppy Gang Fresh Foods for your dogs, please check out our website at www.puppygangfreshfoods.com. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this episode, please comment below. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, share, and subscribe to our podcast. Thanks for listening.